The reading this morning comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 10 and verses 17 to 19. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And now reading from verses 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Good morning and a very warm welcome to HT. My name is Yonder Browning and I'm one of the pastors on the team here. Our title for this morning is Financial Freedom and we'll be looking at the passage that we've just had read for us from Ron Timothy, so keep um, that open. And we'll be looking at the kind of freedom that God invites us into when it comes to our money. Now, I don't know if you remember your first ever purchase, the first thing that you saved up for and bought um, by yourself. Uh, the first thing that I can remember purchasing when I was a little girl uh, was Hello Kitty. I don't know if anyone remembers Hello Kitty, uh, but it was a Hello Kitty piggy bank, um, which tells you a few things about me. First, uh, that I aspired to be a saver from a young age. Uh, also, that I wasn't necessarily the smartest of savers. It didn't occur to me uh, until much later that spending my savings on a piggy bank for my savings was a little ironic. Um, and it also kind of gives you an insight into that tension that I feel between wanting to save, but also wanting pretty things, which is a tension that has more or less stayed with me uh, through the years. When, when we come to look at money and what God uh, invites us into when it comes to our money, uh, we, we will bring our own unique tensions to this, born out of our backgrounds, out of what money was like growing up, born out of our expectations, out of our, uh, out of our personalities, our desires, our anxieties, plus, of course, all the different financial circumstances that we're in. We'll be coming from all kinds of places when it comes to our money. But for every last one of us, regardless of where we're at financially, God invites all of us, not just a few of us, but all of us, to a kind of financial freedom. What he calls here in 1 Timothy as the life that is truly life. 
And even though here Paul is talking about money, he's not in fundraising mode. Really, he wants to help them grasp the life that God has for them, a greater life, the life that's truly life when it comes to their money. And so we're going to dive in. We're going to look at this passage, try to understand what this financial freedom is uh, that God invites us into and how to take hold of it. We're going to move pretty quickly through this. There's a lot here. We'll move fast to start with because I want to give some time to stories which really help um, on this topic and also some really practical advice towards the end. But as we start, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you uh, that it's relevant and useful for us today. And we pray that you would speak to us as we look at it together this morning. Would you send your Holy Spirit on me as I speak and on all of us as we listen? Would you help us hear what you would say to us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, let's um, make a start. As I said, God invites us into a kind of financial th freedom all through scripture. Um, but we've got this passage here in front of us. What does it look like? What does it look like here, this financial freedom? Well, uh, it looks like two things. The first thing we'll talk about just briefly and spend more, thing more time on the second. The first thing this financial freedom looks like is contentment. It's contentment. Right here at the beginning of our reading in verse 6, Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. That is, it's really valuable. It is gold dust to have this kind of a contentment. Contentment, right? Meaning that we're not always looking over our shoulder at what others are making or endlessly scrolling the internet for newer pairs of shoes or better holidays or cooler tech or whatever our luxury of choice might be. It means um, not dreaming about what life would look like if we just earned that little bit more. Instead, God wants us to know the freedom that comes from being content, being satisfied, satisfied with our lives, our wardrobes, our car, our home, and free to enjoy what we have today. And this kind of contentment is possible because of two things, Paul tells us. It's possible first because God provides what is necessary. God provides what is necessary. Here, Paul talks about food and clothing as being all that's necessary. God provides what we need to survive and live in our world today. There might be a few more things, maybe internet <laughs> would be added to that list. But contentment comes because we can trust God to provide what is necessary and be satisfied with that. This contentment is also possible because uh, God provides things for our enjoyment. If you have a look at verse 17, a bit later, Paul says, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Our God is generous. More than simply providing for us the bare necessities of life, he also gives us good things to enjoy, good food and beautiful places to visit. He doesn't want us to live miserable, threadbare lives, but to enjoy his generosity and enjoy his good gifts. And generosity is possible. It allows us to enjoy these things without building our entire happiness or value on them. It frees us to simply be satisfied and enjoy what God gives us. 
The first kind of freedom, financial freedom we see here is contentment. But the second type um, of freedom here that we're going to spend more time on, most of our time uh, this morning, is generosity. It's generosity. Have a look at verse 18. Paul urges them, commands them even to be generous in lots of different ways. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Paul urges them to be generous with their actions, with their resources, with their words. And this kind of generosity, generosity of finances and of resources of all kinds, it's a kind of freedom. It doesn't look like that at first glance, um, but it really is a kind of freedom. It, it brings freedom to those who give, as well as life to those who receive. And it doesn't look like it to start with, but I'll show you um, how it works. Um, there's, a, there's a kind of camera, uh, a fancy, um, new kind of camera actually i don't know how new it is um, i'm not up to date on the latest cameras but it's called thermal imaging and it basically uses heat the temperature to see what we couldn't normally see with the human eye and uh, they've started doing really cool things with it stuart and i came across a nature documentary a little while ago um, that uses it to film animals in the wild where normally uh, we couldn't see because it's night it's pitch black uh, so we're watching these episodes where they can film these elephants um, at night and the elephants glow because they're warm against the backdrop and it's so vivid you can see that you can see the veins the blood vessels in their ears um, it's that it's that precise and because they can suddenly see all these animals at night they were observing behaviors that they'd never seen before that they didn't know these animals did it was like instead of just this sea of kind of vague shapes you could suddenly see vividly what was happening. And generosity is a bit like that camera in the sense that it helps us see vividly what was happening there the whole time, but we had no real way of seeing. Um, it helps us see things in ourselves um, and it helps us see things in God. But let, let's look at the things it helps us see in ourselves. Paul identifies a few of them here. Uh, the first thing it helps us see is our fear. It helps us see our fear. Lots of us are anxious about money. It's extremely common. We fear for the future. And sometimes that's with good reason. Paul actually says um, here, if you look at verse 17, he talks about not putting our hope in wealth, um, which is so uncertain, he says in verse 17, which feels painfully relevant in our world today. That does make sense but sometimes we don't we don't realize how much faith how much trust we've put in our money until we're urged to be generous and what happens inside of us is this kind of like but what if question and anxiety rises at us will God be able to provide uh, will there be enough what happens if we see suddenly in a new way that we do struggle to trust God as our provider. We see, we understand, generosity lights up our fear and the struggle we have to trust in God. But not only does generosity help us see our fear, but it also helps us move out of it. It invites us out of it into freer life. I promised some stories, so here is the first one. Um, this is Hannah's story. She was a student here um, until fairly recently, and she gave me permission to share her story. 
Uh, she came to university um, in her first year very, very anxious about money. She was really worried about the responsibility of managing her own budget and finances. She had stress dreams about it and she became obsessively controlling over her spending. She would write down every last purchase down to a penny in this ledger, in this diary. Um, and she was deeply anxious about it. She was saving a lot, but um, even though she could afford to go out with her friends and things like that, the thought of spending money like that made her deeply anxious. And then during the summer between her, her first and second year, she started thinking about giving. And uh, she thought that maybe that would be a good thing. She could put it in her plan, you know, in her in her ledger. She could make a plan for it. And um, and she was th she was thinking about it, and she thought of an amount that she would be able to give. And then she went to a talk about giving. Um, and uh, and in in this talk, they shared a story of a couple who, much like her, were kind of obsessively controlling of their money, born out of anxiety. And they decided to give. Um, some money they decided on an amount and this couple had heard God speak to them and say that he wanted to give he wanted them to give 10 times the amount that they had decided and Hannah heard this story and she thought that was amazing but that is definitely not what God was asking her to do um, but then as she thought about it and prayed about it over the summer she became increasingly convinced that in fact that was exactly what God was asking her to give 10 times the amount that she expected and after much wrestling with God she agreed and she gave it and she says that when she came to university for her second year she expected to be even more worried about money she'd just given a lot what felt like a lot away and um, and she just expected to be consumed by the anxiety of it again but she said instead the opposite was true she didn't feel anxiety about it she didn't feel this need to control it all the time she told me that she found uh, that now that God was in control of her money and not her she could trust him to provide and she saw him provide again and again hers is a story where giving giving set her free help her understand the way she struggled to str struggle to trust God and to step into trusting him as her provider generosity helps us see our fear and helps us walk free from it. Generosity also helps us see our pride. You know, if, if fear uh, raises that question, you know, but what if? Um, pride raises this question, but I deserve. I, I deserve this kind of life. I deserve to be able to spend money on whatever it is. I'm smart, I'm hardworking, I'm making sacrifices. Sometimes that's what comes up in us when the opportunity to give is presented to us. Generosity lights that up. Generosity can also help us see our greed, that endless desire in us for more. And Paul has a lot to say about greed in our passage, some of it pretty strong. If fear says, but what if? And pride says, but I deserve. Greed says, but I want. When I was first studying this passage, I kind of thought that it was all addressed to the rich, right? Because in verse 17, he says, command those who are rich. And I just kind of assumed that was what this was all about. Whoever might consider themselves rich or not, very few of us do. 
even though we are. Um, but actually, when you look at the first few verses, I'm looking particularly at verse 9 and 10 when he's talking about greed. It's not particularly to the rich that he's speaking. He says, those who want to get rich in verse 9. And he says in verse 10, some people eager for money. I mean, that applies to the rich and poor alike. Greed is something that can rise in all of us, whether we have a little money or a lot. And it's just important to see before we move on um, that it's not money in and of itself that's the villain here. Paul doesn't say that it's money that's the root of all kinds of evil. He says it's the love of money. It's not money itself that's dangerous. Money can do tremendous good, tremendous good. But it's how we feel about our money that can be dangerous. Another story for us um, that kind of illustrates both the pride and the greed thing. Uh, there's a successful businessman um, in, uh, in the States called Donald um, who believed in hard work and fair pay. He'd say things like there's no such thing as a free lunch uh, to his employees and he was not big on giving at all. And then one day he got a phone call. His uncle had died, a wealthy uncle, and had left him half of his wealth, which was quite a bit. Um, but the uncle had decided to give the other half of his fortune away. Uh, and it was quite a bit. It was close to a million dollars. But he hadn't decided where to give it. And he had appointed in his will Donald to be the one to decide where to distribute the money. And at first, Donald didn't want the job. He tried to get out of it. And then when he realized that he couldn't get out of it, he just decided that he would, he would make it, um, he would just be as ruthlessly scrutinizing as he could when it came to charities and find any reason that he could not to give. Um, so after being incredibly demanding in his, in his search for places to give, he found some charities that even he couldn't say no to. So he started giving and, um, and over time, he started to hear more and more reports about what the money was doing, what his uncle's money was doing. Um, and he, it just, it just started to light something up in him. He enjoyed getting the reports. He started visiting the charities and then he started visiting the people who had been influenced by the charities and he started to spend more and more time on the project and on giving his uncle's money away. And then over time, uh, his, un his uncle's money ran out. And so then Donald started doing something he didn't expect, which was he started giving his own half of the fortune away. And then over time, even that ran out and he still didn't want to start stop giving. And he started doing what he really thought he would never do which was give out of his own salary. Generosity unlocked his life. It set him free from greed and pride, it started to fill his life with the joy of giving and what it could do in the lives of other people. Generosity helps us see a lot in us and helps us set us free from that. But perhaps the most exciting thing about generosity is that it opens our eyes to what our God is like. It helps us see us, but it helps us see God. Our God is a giver to his bones. It is the joy of the Father to give and give and give. Our God is the first, the greatest, and the chief giver. The life that we have in Jesus Christ now and in the future is ours because of the generosity of God. It was a gift 
God gave his son, his son gave his life. And as we step into generosity, we begin to understand in a new way the very heart of God. It's like the things we knew about God go from being black and white to being full, vibrant color. And um, I, I've, got a, I've got a story about this one as well. Um, I came across this story recently. There's a couple in the States, young couple who just got married and um, they had quite a lot of debt, tens of thousands of dollars of debt, I think, um, from education. And they decided that they were going to absolutely throw themselves and get out of this debt as fast as possible. And uh, they had some friends at church um, who knew they were doing this, were praying for them. And one particular friend felt God say to her, well, why don't you do something to help these guys? And so this friend, completely unbeknownst to the couple, started writing to their friends and family and just said, you know, we love these guys. We really admire what they're trying to do to get out of debt. And so if you want to contribute anything uh, to help them get out of debt, just let me know. And uh, the money started flooding in. Um, and so they decided uh, to throw a surprise party for this couple who were still completely in the dark. And um, I'm going to hand over now. I found this story um, on a video. Some of them were recalling afterwards what happened. So I'm going to hand over to that video. They're, they're remembering what happened, but there's also a bit that somebody was actually filming the night of that party. So it's a couple minutes long, but let's just watch and see what happens next. So then Lucy got on the mic and still no clue what's going on. And she starts to say some things that she sees in us. Mm -hmm. And then she says, you know, one thing that all of us here have in common that we've learned and seen in y'all mm -hmm. is your journey of paying off debt. So over the last couple weeks, we've all been putting together a, a lump sum of money because we want you guys to know that Jesus has set you guys free in, in hundreds of ways. Mm -hmm. And we wanna be that picture to you guys and we want y'all to know that right now, you're debt free. <laughs> Brandon and Ashley didn't know what to do. I think at that moment it clicked. Every single person in that audience walked away a little bit further understanding of how deep and how far and how much Jesus loves us. I think I've just learned that God's economy is more of the heart, and so I think He really um, showed me I doubted he could do something big. He totally um, destroyed that lie. One of the funny things that I don't understand about life is that it really is more fun to give than to receive. They received the gift of the money, but we received the gift of joy and love because we gave. 
Isn't that amazing? It's such a good picture. You see, generosity opens our eyes and the eyes of those around us to what our God is like, what, what his love, what his generosity, what his forgiveness really means. Now, um, I promise that we get practical towards the end of this and a passage like this on contentment and generosity um, leads to some fairly practical applications um, and I'm also aware we're coming up to Commitment Sunday which is no accident in case you were wondering we take this opportunity every year um, to come before God, uh, the great giver and ask what he would have us give as we commit to him and to the church family together. Uh, Paul writes elsewhere, the verse uh, will come up on the screen in, in 2 Corinthians. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is so helpful as we, just, as we figure out what to give or what God might be calling us to give, because it makes it so clear that God cares primarily about the motivations of our hearts, not the amount that we give. He wants us to give free from guilt um, or, or that anyone's twisting our arm. He wants us to give free of pride um, or the a desire to impress anyone. Sometimes we just want to impress ourselves by how generous we're being. He wants us to give with a joyful, cheerful heart. And this verse is so helpful for that. But I do also have to say this verse, and you can come up again, about just deciding in your heart what to give. Maybe it's my personality type, but um, I just, <laughs> I also find this deeply frustrating because I'm like, well, that's not much help, is it? That, that doesn't give me anything concrete to go on. That's like saying, follow your dreams. And you're like, which one? I have so many and then I have none. That doesn't help me, Paul. Um, so <laughs> if that's you and like me, the first thing that pops into your head is, well, Jesus said to give everything I have away for the poor. And then I start to panic. If that, if that rings a bell with you. Um, there are some other really helpful and slightly more um, concrete guides um, in scripture, actually elsewhere from Paul in 2 Corinthians and elsewhere. And just as we finish, I'm gonna go through four principles really quickly um, because I have just found them so helpful as I have uh, in my own heart decided what to give. I'm taking these four principles from a little book called Fields of Gold by Andy Stanley, which I really recommend. He has, uh, he's put them together and they all start with P which I find really helpful, <laughs> if not a bit corny. Um, so I'm gonna go through these really quickly. The first of our principles is priority giving. Uh, priority giving, that is that we give first. We don't give God leftovers, what's left in our wallet or in our bank account at the end of the month. And this is a way of acknowledging that everything we have comes from God and we're grateful for his provision and we want to honor him as our provider. We give to him first. We plan ahead and we give to him, not out of our leftovers, we give first. The second P is for percentage giving. Uh, that is deciding a percentage of our income to give in advance. Now, if you've been around the church for a little while, you might well have heard about what's called the tithe, which means a tenth. Um, and that comes from the Old Testament where God's people were commanded in the law to give 10% to the temple. Now, the tithe is not commanded in the New Testament. Um, in fact, we're not given any hard numbers uh, in the New Testament at all. 
But Stanley suggests, and I would agree with him, that 10% is a good place to start. It's a good ballpark figure. We certainly see in the early church uh, that even though they weren't under the old law in this 10%, they certainly didn't see that as freedom to not give 10% any, anymore. If anything, they gave more than that. We see explosive generosity as one of the hallmarks of the early church in Acts and later. So 10% is a good place to start. It might be that for you, giving 10% is just not feasible, um, and that's totally fine. Give 2% or three, see what you can do, and make 10% something to work for um, in a few years' time, perhaps. Um, that's totally fine. But for those of us who are in more comfortable financial positions, um, there's nothing to say that 10% is a limit <laughs> or a ceiling of any kind. Which takes us to our third principle, our third P, which is progressive giving. This is about growing in our giving, whether that's from 2% to 3% or 14% to 14.5%, Stanley suggests that we should, over time, be growing in our giving. And the principle here is, as with other things in our spiritual lives, we can get comfortable Maybe we've been giving 10% for years and now we just don't think about it anymore. It's not an active conversation topic with God. It doesn't show us anything more in ourselves. We don't see anything new in us or in God. Um, it's no longer an act of trust. Uh, there's, a, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians. Again, this is Paul a little bit earlier than the uh, decide in your heart bit. And he writes this, Since you excel in everything, um, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in the love we've kindled into you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See that you excel. That is, don't get comfortable. This isn't just something to tick off and then not think about anymore. You excel when you come back to something. Again and again, you stretch yourself. You watch to see how you're doing. You learn how you could do better. We should be growing in our giving. And for some people, Stanley says, and I think he's absolutely right, increasing our giving, even if it's just a little bit, is a way, it can be a way to jumpstart a spiritual walk that's gone stale because it brings us right into the face of all the important questions again. Can God really provide for me? Um, is, is he going to be good? Um, but I want this other thing more than him. Am I really willing to listen to him again? Progressive giving, growing in our giving is the third one. The final one, um, just briefly, is prompted giving. It's good to have a plan. God encourages us to have a plan to our giving. But this is also about having a living, breathing relationship with our Father, who is the great giver. And we need to give him space to interrupt us, to prompt us beyond or outside of our plan just like Hannah experienced. Sometimes God will bring a person or a cause across our path. It wasn't part of the plan, but he prompts our hearts and he challenges us to give, invites us to give. And we've got to grow in the flexibility, the wisdom, the discernment that it takes to give as God prompts us. So those are some really quick guidelines um, that I found really helpful when it comes to thinking about what to give. And that is more than enough for one morning. So I will finish there. Uh, let me just pray for us as we finish. 
Father God, we thank you so much for your great generosity to us. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you for his life, for his death, for us. We thank you for the life that we have now and the life we'll have with you forever. You have given us so much. And we do pray, Father, that um, that you would be opening our eyes to see more and more who you are and what you've done for us. And we give you this area of money in our lives uh, that can be so thorny. And we ask, Father, for your help, for your help to, to lead us into the financial freedom that you would have for us, that you would lead us into contentment and into generosity that you would be speaking clearly to us and gently to us. We put ourselves in your hands again today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now we're going to go to our prayers.